Jennifer at No Label Brewery, and you're listening to Drink of Ages Radio Show with John Denman. Come out to No Label seven days a week and join us for some badass beers on tap. Don't forget to visit our website at nolabelbrew.com for all events happening at our brewery. Hope to see you soon. I can think of only one thing that could lift my spirits right now. Beer. 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 This is Drink of Ages on ESPN 97.5. The only show dedicated to craft beer, spirits, and music. Here's your host and luminary, John Denman. John Denman. All right, everybody. Welcome to another Drink of Ages radio show. I'm your host, John Denman, DJ Muskratch, the producer over there, man, you're wearing your heart plumbing force shirt. I just noticed that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, it's got the nice little NASA look to it. Um, I was wearing my NASA shirt yesterday. There's a lot of science stuff going on, a lot of space yeah. it's things. It's the 50th anniversary of the, the plunger that they sent to the moon. The plunger they sent to the moon. Yeah. And so you got to celebrate that 50 yeah. years of plungers. Yeah, so, um, so, yeah, man, welcome back, Muskratch. Uh, we took a couple weeks off. Uh, well, let me just go ahead and introduce on what's going on tonight, and then, then I'll start rambling on about what's been happening. So on the north side of Houston, 610 Shepherd area, uh, a few months back, probably now, what are you? March 1st. March 1st, yeah. Uh, I don't even know what month. We're in July? July. Uh, it's going to be Christmas next year before we know it. Yeah. And uh, you guys opened up Astral Brewing. And right there, Shepherd. What's the what's the cross street? Like cross timbers between cross timbers and Pinemont. Yeah, just, so just right past Garden Oaks, forty third Garden Oaks area, real close to like Petrol Brash, kind of right in between. Area. A lot of people know that brewery. Yeah, and so yeah, real close to them. So Alex McDonald, one of the founders, one of the owners, and the brewmaster is yes. here joining us. Yeah, brewer, head brewer at uh, Astral Brewing. Head brewer at Astral Brewery. Joining us at Drink of Ages Pub for this week's show. And so welcome, first of all. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And when, so when I was talking to you earlier, uh, we're all the emails back and forth, yeah, you know, yeah. planning out this this big giant event of you know, the radio show that uh, uh, you, know, you sent me the, the beer list. I didn't know yeah. you guys were distributing that many beers out right now. Yeah. I mean, basically everything that we uh, brew, we're willing to distribute. So... <laughs> Got, so we have currently, I think, seven beers uh, available, and then we'll have, like, another beer released next week, and we're kind of just kind of rotating. So as beer, we we don't have, like, a core, like, four beers. We, we are constantly brewing new beers, releasing them, and, and so forth. We have a few beers that we're kind of brewing over and over again, but we have uh, most of our beers. So it's kind of new recipes, like, variations on recipes. Like, we'll change up the hops, we'll change some ingredients around, and, and so forth. So sort of exploring uh, beer space. So, but we, you know, we, we care a lot about the product and stuff like that. So it's really interesting for us. You know, having that, yeah, it, it helps. <laughs> you know what? This liquid needs to taste pretty good. Yeah, we try, we try to make it not bad. That's our, our goal. Not bad. Pub hop. Pub hop, yeah. So that's what, what you're I'm drinking right now. Right now. Yeah, and I'm uh, on my second one. English Golden Ale, which I was just telling you earlier, is a style that is not very uh, commonly found in the United States, but actually is very popular in England. It's, it's sort of, uh, think of like an English mild or bitter kind of base, so kind of malty and light, 
but then you dry hop it. You, so you kind of give it some hoppy character. But maybe you use you don't use like Citra Mosaic. Maybe you use something more classic like uh, Cascade. So in England they'll use Cascade, which is not an English hop, but it's sort of like an old school American hop, and you kind of get this uh, cool combination. In this case, uh, our version of Pub Hop uses Sterling Hop. Uh, Sterling hops are you know Pacific Northwest hop, but they have kind of that kind of classic English kind of herbal, uh, earthy thing going for them, but at the same time, I get like a lemon tea kind of character from that hop. Very, very interesting. So it's like lemon tea kind of earthiness on, on, on a kind of a malty, light malty base. Very much like what you might find in a pub in England. So a cool, cool beer. Uh, it's not really, it's not an IPA. It's not a you know, light lager. It's something, it's own, own little category. It, it's it's a very nice, easy drinking beer. Right, it's like five point one percent ABV, so it's definitely definitely a sessionable kind of beer. But it's it's got a lot more flavor going to for it than yeah some other kinds of beers. I feel so it's very a interesting. Blonde, yeah, yeah, whatever. yeah, 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 yeah exactly. It's a, got a lot more character, but it's not. You can still have more than one. It's great for like a, a picnic if you had like you're gonna go do a picnic outside or play softball or something like that. And kind of good beer for that. It's great for the first segment of a radio show. Yes, yes. That's uh, that's actually what we brewed it for. It was uh, Act One of radio show. Act One radio show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, earlier, well, typically, you know, on radio show days, you know, yeah. make sure I eat a whole lot and get prepped for. Yeah, you, you get trained. What's about you to lift happen? Weights. Yeah, go lift weights, run my run my miles. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, do my bicycling, right. all right. that, right. and make sure I'm carving up, getting prepped, ready for you know the yeah. night that's about yeah. to happen. Yeah. Uh, today. Today, unfortunately, I found myself at Lazy Oaks, which is a new place that opened up what, over uh, in Spring Branch. What's, tell me about Lazy Oaks. Lazy Oaks, uh, well, instead of really carving up on stuff, well, I guess I did carve up because I was drinking a lot of 1980 Kolsch from No Label. That, that's because carbs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, but I kind of missed out on the food part of it. Well, it's liquid carbs, but yeah. Which we ordered french fries. So uh, yeah. it was it was a good start to yeah. Yeah. but fortunately Pizza Elvino or Pizza whatever is right down the street here on Wall they closed down and opened back up oh. so we do have pizzas coming. Oh okay. Yeah. So we we can uh, focus on beers. Food's going to come and nice. then by the fourth segment Muskrat is not going to be like a typical show man. We're going to be nailing it. We're going to be on top of We're going to be on top of Time it. clock. No. Yes. Yeah. 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 But this uh Pub Hop is, uh, man, it's a very tasty beer. I can yeah. see this one being a very popular beer for you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's, uh, it's always interesting trying to describe it to people, but usually, like, if I give people a sample, it, people will like it. But it's always, like, a little bit, like, new style, so you have to explain to people, give them a little history, kind of do a little education. And so people come to the, the, the tap room, we always got, kind of walk them through the beer, kind of explain what's going on. And, like, once you kind of understand the concept of, like, a kind of light British malty pub ale with a little bit of dry hopping. It's actually kind of a cool, it kind of works together. Like the, the people in England who figured out the style, it's, they knew what they were doing. It's just, yeah, it's uh, not quite something that's made it to America for hey, the most part. I mean, at the brewery, do you find yourself having to explain what it is a whole lot? Or people are just yeah. like, you know what? Let me just try that. I, I, yeah, like half the time, yeah, people are just like, let me just try Pub Hop. Because I, I have a written description and everything like that. But there's like other people who are like, what is Pub Hop? That's not an IPA. And you're like, no, it's not. It's like a British It's a British ale that's been dry hopped. And, and it's like dry hopped with this hop sterling. That's not a hop that you see too often in America. It's even an American hop. It's not like your Citra or your Mosaic where you see them all the time and you're like, okay, I know what those are. Sterling is probably a hop that most people are not, couldn't really pick out of a lineup. Um, but it's a great hop. It has a lot of, it's like English character, but kind of like, like taken to 11. 
like uh, it has amped up, you know, in that Pacific Northwest, which has those amazing growing conditions, they're able to take that sort of like a British heritage, I think like the parent strains of it are British, and then, and then kind of enhance some of those flavors. In this case, we've got that kind of lemon tea thing on top of that traditional kind of herbal and malty base. So it, and it works, it kind of comes together in a very pleasant beer, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, just absolutely fantastic beer. So It is really good. Now we, we put three beers on tap. Your drink of ages, yes. and you know, we have four segments. So I'm not. There's there's some math hole there. There's some math that, that Does, missing. Is pizza a, a beer? It can be. Pizza can. <laughs> yeah, be. Well, the, the second segment hopefully is sponsored by yeah. pizza, whatever they call themselves yeah, now. The Domino's, right? That's Do- the it's the new it's the new pizzeria down the road. It's craft craft pizzeria. Craft pizzeria. Yeah. <laughs> no, this this is this is really good, and yeah. I, I stopped by whenever you guys did your soft opening. Yes, um, that's just before by. March first. Uh, we are like hard open, or what do you call it, the grand opening? The hard opening. Grand opening was March first, and uh, we had a soft opening a couple days before that. Yeah, we rolled through there. I was with the Garrison and the rest of the Spindle Tap crew. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I stopped. I, yeah, in. that was great. Yeah. You were busy that day. Yes. Well, um, it was it was kind of a little chaotic. It was. Uh, yeah. When when you're, you when you. Look at somebody you you know like they're really excited about it, but don't talk to them right now. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. that was kind of the like look, uh, like okay things are going good. Yeah, I don't know what to do. It's yeah. just busy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we were yeah I was I was bartending that day, so I'm sure. So yeah, it was uh, intense. Uh, <laughs> It was a very quick introduction, yeah. is what it was. Yeah. yeah, it was like I'm John Garrison. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. drink some more beers. And then we ran into you again at uh, Great Heights at the mm-hmm. uh, at the Guild meeting. Guild meeting, yeah, and that was that was great talking to you. Yeah, Guild meetings are, are a good time. They, yeah. it, it's a it's a great organization. Uh, the Texas Brewers Craft Brewers Guild meeting or yeah, Texas yeah. Craft Brewers Guild. No, it's a great community and it's a great way for brewers and other people in the industry, like brewers and people that sort of adjunct work in the uh, the brewing industry can kind of get together, network, and you might find someone who can help you out with. But everything from like equipment to ingredients to uh, like insurance and legal stuff and uh, merchandise, kind of all that stuff, all kind of get together under one roof for like once a month and, and chat about the, the current issues in the industry. That happens, honestly, for about 15 minutes. Yeah, and then there's a lot of drinking. And then there's two hours of just hanging out. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just <laughs> like, what's going that's on? That's when it's like, okay, we, we don't have to work. Nobody, everybody yeah. just can sit back yeah. and just enjoy some beers. And yeah, yeah that was over at Great Heights, which yeah. is, man, they're making some great beers as well. Yeah, yeah, I love those guys. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Patrick uh, and uh, Sean, right? Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing some great stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no, I, I really like their, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, the local pandering uh, reference, uh, local pandering reference, and uh, pandering yeah. local reference. Pandering local reference. Yeah, that yes. was that was a great beer. Uh, and then they had one. Of, oh, all their names are so clever, and I can't remember them all. But like, I like a lot of their hazy IPAs. I think are really great. Uh, the Lagerish Kolsch, which you guys have on tap here at um, Drink of Ages, uh, I really like that beer. Um, yeah, they do. They do some really great stuff. There, there's such a. It's just fun right now, yeah. Because new breweries popping up. You popped up, uh, mm-hmm. Astral Brewery, who we're talking yeah. to right now, it popped up. And right when oh, people, people people are leaving, <laughs> yeah, good to see you, man. Yeah. And so uh, uh, breweries are popping up left and right, and yeah. and I think that um, it's a great thing, especially as a consumer. You know, yeah, well, on the consumer I'm side, it's, it's big amazing. fan of beer. Yeah. So, but each brewery is coming up with their own little niche of what they yeah. like, sell of beers, and so what you yeah. guys have done, I guess, starting off with this one, the yeah. pub hop, yeah, a little bit different. We're doing a, we're doing a 
we have a penchant for English styles. Like we opened the same within a week of True Anomaly down in Edo. I don't know if you've uh, I've been there. Yeah, yes. yeah, they're great guys. Yep. And um, they are kind of more focused in the Belgian strain of things, but they also do like a hazy IPA, so they're not like strictly Belgian or anything like that. And we opened, and so we had a portfolio that was like New England stuff and then like more English, and they kind of did more like Belgian, so it was kind of great. We opened with each other, but we're like kind of in like orthogonal spaces. Uh, but that being said, I don't mind brewing a, 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 a Saison. We just brewed a Saison a couple days ago, and I'm sure they'll do like an English beer here and there, and a porter and stout or something like that. Yeah, yeah there's definitely going to be some crossovers. Uh, but that, that's, as, again, as yeah. a consumer, that's great because yeah. then you get to try several different ones, and then yeah, you get the, yeah. they, the, then the battle starts. You know, which one do you like better? Yeah, and no, but all I, I like it as a, as, a, as a brewer. I'm still, at the end of the day, I'm also a consumer. I'm not only a brewer, I still go to other breweries, and I just like drinking other people's beer I like seeing what creativity they were able to put into a class and just enjoy that I, it's not I don't go to breweries and be like oh we're better than them it's more like oh this is really great I really appreciate this beer and I, I, I want to talk to the brewer and, and like congratulate them and stuff like that on, on quality products like I still appreciate other people's really good beer and I want other people to be making good beer I don't want to live in a world where you know like no one's making good beer except for us in some dystopian future no, where it's like only we will survive no it's like I want everyone to be making good beer you know I mean, we, we live in a city, uh, I don't know how many people are in Houston now. Are we at 4 million yet? Three and a half, four million people. Yeah, and 4 million in the greater Houston area is what our, when we did our market research said, but maybe we weren't very good at it. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, there's not, there, there's a lot of people. And yeah. there, we, we could still, I mean, I don't know. I, I'd love to see about 80 more breweries open well, up. Yeah, if you, if you look at the numbers, uh, Houston can kind of support about, probably about twice as many breweries as it has right now and then be on par with some of the more beer forward cities but like san diego uh has like 136 breweries uh in the county and it's uh, a smaller population than uh houston uh, harris county and so you, you and like harris county has in the, i think like 40 breweries or something like that so it's got a third of the breweries and a larger population so you can kind of see like yeah houston uh, sorry san diego's are a little bit oversaturated but somewhere around that 80 brewery mark is probably about equilibrium is my guess and we're not there yet. So there's still going to be more breweries popping up in the next four to five years. There'll probably be a point after about then when uh, things kind of hit equilibrium and you'll have certain, certain breweries maybe fail and new ones pop up, but you will kind of kind of hit steady state, as we say. As many breweries open as close. Somewhere around 80 is my guess. 80, is a, 80 would be a good number for Houston. In the great, well, in the greater Houston area. Well, like, greater Houston area yeah, yeah. is a very large yeah, footprint. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. For, for sure. sure. For sure. All right, well, let's take a break. We get back. We'll talk more with Alex McDonald from Astral Brewing Company. This is Drink of Ages Radio Show here on ESPN 97.5. We'll be right back. Now, now we have Sean from Platypus hanging out with us. So, Sean, what's the latest going on at Platypus Brewing? Yeah, g'day, John. We've got a number of our beers out in the uh, local grocery stores and liquor stores, including our latest edition, the Holy Chet Mexican Lager. Now, just in time for a little Cinco de Mayo partying. Yeah, absolutely. Thursday nights in the tap room, we have our craft burgers featuring our kangaroo. That sounds delicious, but I like the Surf and Turf Wednesday nights. Surf and Turf, a couple of prawns on a 12-ounce 
down through by a side and a beer for 20 bucks, best deal in town. I, I happen to agree with that. And, you know, right now I'm having a pint of your Granddaddy Perp. That's one of your latest releases. And also some Pacific L. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, so you can find those beers around town, but you can also stop by the tap room open seven days a week. There's also tap room only releases and full kitchen. Giddy up. We are back. This is Drink of Ages Radio Show here over at Drink of Ages Pub, 1005 Wall Drive. And if you're in the area, stop by, come have a pint or two, three, four, Uber, Lyft, six. Come join us over here. We're uh, hanging out with Astro Brewing Company. Alex McDonald is joining us this week. Thank you for having me. For sure, man. And uh, you're you're relatively new to the Houston area. Yes, I, I moved here for uh, this project about a little bit over a year ago, maybe like May of last year, 2018, and I moved from Boston to open this uh, to to basically at that point oversee the construction of the brewery. So kind of acting general contractor. I'm not. So we had we had actual general contractor. I did the day-to-day work, managed the various subcontractors, uh, managed a lot of the day-to-day construction and so forth. A lot of back and forth to the permit office. And yes, I, I, I'm very familiar with the Houston permitting office. Actually, interesting. I uh, one of the things we had to deal with was electrical. We wanted to make some changes to electrical plans, change the amperage coming in, and and so forth, and that required revision. So I would go take the revisions, work with the engineer that, that we paid, uh, to, and then take the revised plans and work with the engineer, and there'd be back and forth, like comments, and I was sort of like the middle person where I wasn't an engineer, but I would take the comment, that, okay, hey, the, the, the city planning says this, okay, engineer, can you fix that? Okay, the en- engineer would give me something, go back and forth. And so I, I uh, interacted several times with uh, uh, Julian, oh, what's his, uh, Dorian, Dorian. And uh, now he comes to the brewery, uh, that same, the same person, uh, that I interacted with, like I told him we we're opening a brewery, and he's like, "Oh, I love beer." And now he's one of our, you know, semi-regulars. It's, That's it's, excellent. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So, so and a good guy to have on your side. Yeah. So now he's like, yeah. So he, and he he helped us out. I mean, like he was like really good about like, you know, he didn't like break the rules or anything like that. But he like helped me out by saying like, "Hey, you need to do this, that, and the other. You like this is how you should get it done. Here's how an efficient way to do it. Do it and, beforehand. Yeah, exactly. It was nothing you. like. It was nothing like. Yeah, definitely no like breaking the rules, but. He could have just said nothing and be like, nope, I'm not going to accept that. But he instead said, like, here's what you need to do so that I can accept it, which is really helpful. So he's a great guy. So, yeah, thank you. Houston Permitting Office could have been a disaster, but actually there's some good people that work there. I really appreciate them. And any time I've ever gone over there, which lately has been a lot, uh, everybody, is, everybody is really nice. And they, and they try to be helpful. Yeah, but there's I, so many, so much code and so many right. things that you have to follow. And so, right. I mean, it's... Yes. it's I think they they're it's like they're on they they do actually want you to open your business. I did get that sense that they weren't like we want to do everything we can to shut you down. No, no, no. They want you to open your business, but there's rules and their rules exist for a reason. They weren't just random. We didn't like pick it out of a hat that you have to have this that and the other together. And like I I do actually at the end of the day respect what they're doing. They're trying to keep the city together and orderly and and if they have to be the bad guy sometimes, so be it. But they're not really the bad guys. They're they're just sort of the arbiters of order in terms of construction. And, and I, I so yeah. So I I'm, I don't really have any ill feelings. I think actually 
they're, they're a good group of people. They were helpful when I needed them to be helpful. They were uh, constructive. And they, they ultimately are you know, pro-business, pro-small business. For, for Not sure. only that, uh, everybody that I talked to was like, what's going on over there? Yeah. I need to come by and have a beer. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, if you say beer, they suddenly like perk up. Yes. Uh, even the guy, I had one uh, person interacted with in the electrical department, and he was not a beer drinker. He said, I don't drink beer. Are you going to brew non-alcoholic beer? I want to hang out at a pub, but I don't want to drink alcohol. You should make some non-alcohol. He was like really big on it. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know, man. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. But well, it was like interesting. Um, he still wanted to interact and stuff like that. So run some water through the kettle and <laughs> put it in. Yeah. You, well, you, in theory, what you're trying to do is you try to brew a beer and then you use, uh, you know, like an RO system that makes like takes out all the salts out of water. Well, you can kind of get effectively an RO system that's designed for beer that takes that removes the ethanol from everything else. So the ethanol is really small, and so that goes out. And then normally you take the larger stuff, that's the salts and stuff in water in the RO system, that goes down the drain. Well, in, the R, in this version of the RO system, you throw away the things that go through the filter system, and you keep the stuff that doesn't, the bigger stuff. And then and then you that's like basically beer that's been has the ethanol removed. That's how in Germany. Where they are very very smart engineering uh, folk, they so they make uh, alcohol-free beer. They brew a regular beer and you remove the alcohol through kind of a reverse osmosis process. Wow. Versus like boiling it off. Yeah, yeah. So if you, the verse, other way to do it is you take a regular beer and you just try to boil off the alcohol, and that like that cooks the beer in a way that makes it taste not good. You yeah. Then I mean, just trying to figure out the recipe. Right. To, yeah. So. There are many. There's multiple ways to make alcohol-free beer, but generally speaking, the reverse osmosis way is the way to go. So, if you're ever going to open a brewery, get an RO. What RO was it? Was it Heineken just came out recently with their non-alcoholic beer, zero percent. Zero. Yeah, the, the, the RO systems end up with about 0.3 to 0.5 percent beer. Uh, and, and some, so in Germany, that's considered non-alcoholic. But I think in America, you'd still have to classify that as alcoholic. Uh, but it, having a zero percent alcoholic beer is actually advantageous for some people. So for people, oftentimes for religious reasons, uh, uh, like uh, Muslims and other things like that, I was talking to a Muslim friend, and and he was saying that yeah, he can't actually have beer that has just had the alcohol removed. He needs a beer that never had the alcohol in there. But he would love to come to a pub and drink a beer as long as it never ever had alcohol in them. So it's sort of like a market of people that are kind of untouched in the in the, the brewing realm that people don't really realize that want to be social and hang out, but for religious reasons aren't going to do it, but are totally happy to go to your establishment if you had the right beverage of, of choice for them, kind of, so to speak. I yeah. have a hard time responding to, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, then why even have a beer? You know, just... I think it's a social thing. Just I, having something in their glass. Well, yeah, we, well, we have kombucha here. Yeah. And no, so I, I, a I lot of times people show up and they'll... they'll Get a glass of kombucha, yeah, so they have something in a yeah, glass. And I think, you know, honestly, that's, uh, I, I try to, when I talk to uh, people in that community, I said, yeah, there's other options and stuff like that to go to, to, to bars. And that's what they do. But it's just kind of like including everyone in the culture, that we're a beer drinking culture and we want to be inclusive and make way, allow ways for people to to bring things in and, and, and have products that allow people to have accessibility in the way that they feel comfortable in, in that market and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, because, so, I mean, you, you can say, well, it's a bar. That's where beers are served. Yeah, but every, but there's yeah. people that just still want to hang out with their friends. Yeah, yeah. And their no, friends might be sitting around drinking beer. Exactly. And that was the situation here. That they want to hang out with you. They know you drink beer, and they want to they want to be social, and they don't want to drinking a glass of water. That's yeah. not very cool. They want to drink beer. And also to be fair, if you can brew a really tasty beer that doesn't have alcohol, there's still a taste thing about that. That's a whole taste 
part of the realm of people that, you know, I like that, how that thing tastes and I want to, I want to partake in it, but I don't want the alcohol and that's, that, I respect that. Yeah. I'm not, not, I'm not trying to foist alcohol on anyone who doesn't want to drink it. So we're, it's, it's a, just an interesting time all around Yeah, for uh, beer, seltzer and everything else. Heart seltzer is a big one right now. Heart seltzers. Yeah. Do heart seltzers. Are you familiar with this? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. So uh, what? What I've heard is that the millennial crowd, this is all like marketing uh, mumbo jumbo, but that the millennials these days want low calorie beers and, and therefore these heart seltzers are very low calorie and therefore they're attractive to the, the uh, calorie conscious millennials. I think that this is sort of marketing stuff that's come up with. But that being said, maybe there's some truth to it. But yeah, essentially you, you brew, there is actually fermentation involved in it, but there's like no malt. It's like all sugar. Essentially, it's all uh, dextrose and maybe like a touch of malt, like five percent, three percent amount of malt, that like razor thin amount of malt, and you make this thing called a a, uh, a hard seltzer. Mm. And then oftentimes you like add um, these fruit essences to it, so you make a raspberry hard seltzer. But you're not adding actual raspberry; you're kind of adding like distilled oils of raspberry or peach or mango, whatever you want. And, and so this is sort of a trend that. Uh, I can't say that we're about to go and do, but hey, if that's what you're into, cool. You know, like no, no, no problem there. I, yeah, before I go to bed, that's when I scroll through the news section. Yeah. I usually roll through the to the science, and because yeah. I want to see something positive, yeah. you know, before I go to sleep. But uh, I was rolling through, and one of the headlines, I didn't click on it, so I could just be making this up completely, like yeah. I do a lot of times. But it was something like White Claw has sold more than. All of craft beer combined in so, a so period what of did? time. Like White Claw, the, the seltzer. Oh, 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 wow. And I uh, don't know. If I'll, I will look that up because I'm. I, I'm I believe this. the stat I've heard is that it's the it's uh, growth is larger than anything in craft beer. Maybe it was the growth. Yeah, yeah. and I believe I don't think the sales are that high. But um, but that being said, it's by far the fastest growing growth market in the let's say craft beer uh, sector, and. Um, it's certainly something that the, the, the big players are always looking for because as smaller players like our, ourselves come into play, we're taking away a lot of that kind of neighborhood like beer uh, category. So the, the big regional distributors and national distributors um, are trying to find other niches that they can fill. And so providing products like hard seltzer and whatever the latest craze is, if that's a way for them to still keep their product on the shelves, that's very attractive to them. Whereas for... Uh, like all the breweries popping up across the country, we just want to be your neighborhood brewery and we, we just make regular beers that you like. We don't have to worry about hard seltzer. We just need to you know have you enjoy our beer and come by. Yeah, I talk to a lot of people about hard seltzer when they come in, <clears throat> come into the pub, and it's like, man, yeah, I mean, if a brewery wants to make one and have it on tap yeah. for people, that they, they, sh- they show up and they yeah. want to drink something and they can have a hard seltzer, kind of like a root beer or yeah. a non-alcohologic yeah. beer. You yeah, know, exactly. just kind of have these other options. But to have that as being like something that you're pushing for yeah, like as being your moneymaker? I think a lot of it is because because a lot of craft brewers aren't doing it, it's an opportunity for bigger people. It's like a it's a part of the market that hasn't been explored as much. So, you know, if you're a Sierra Nevada, you're a, um, a uh, who makes the Dale's Paleo? I forgot, apologize. Um, uh, but if you're one of these bigger distributors that you uh, or producers, then you can you can make this product and you can fill a niche. You're, you're losing your sales on your flagship IPA, but hey, I got this like uh, hard uh, hard um, seltzer water to kind of fill fill the gap. Mm. We're not 
in that situation, and a lot like the local breweries around Houston are not in the situation where they have to worry about you know losing market share to hard seltzers. But it is it is an interesting product, and I think there's definitely a market for it. Well, when I go to people's houses and I go put my beer in the refrigerator, yeah. and I see just six packs of hard seltzer. That's, that's when like, you know. That's yeah. when you know that there's something there. Yeah, I, and I don't know. Maybe it will go that way, and maybe maybe we'll be seeing coming to Drink of Ages in a few months, and there'll be hard seltzer on water on tap. We'll find out. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm not against it. Yeah. I mean, if that's what people want to drink, yeah. then that's fine. Uh, when, We're not going to deny the market, but no, not going to deny, deny the market. And I mean, just just look over the history. Let's say yeah. like the past eight years of of beer. Yeah. So we go through when, trends. Yeah, we go definitely go through trends. Yeah. Uh, is IPAs, it, the big, super yeah. bitter, high a, right. IBUs, uh, very high. Yeah, you get your nine percent, your hundred yeah. plus right. IBU beers. Right. Those were taken over for a while, and then that kind of went away. I thought sours were going to take over for a little bit before. There was that. about four years ago. Sours looked like they were going to take over. Yep. And then now, then hazy. The I hazies jumped in front of the sours. Right. right. And I think what we are seeing is that it's as more diversity goes into the market that people are finding their their style of choice and. And that's fantastic. And that it turns out you don't have to like what everyone else likes. You, you like a hazy. You like a sour. You like that hard seltzer or whatever. Just enjoy it. And so that with more diversity of options that people are finding they don't have to be on the trend. They can find that specific style they like because there's so many breweries available that will make interesting beers. And I just encourage people to, to explore and find the, the beer that works for them. Or the beers that work for them. The beers. The yeah. beers. It's, it's never one style. Uh, no, I found several styles that, yes. that work for me, and including this, the, the, the guava. The guava, the, the pure guava, the yeah. kettle sour that we have right here. Uh, that's what I'm drinking Yeah. during this segment. We haven't even touched on that one yet. Oh, and, well, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, that's actually really delicious. Thank you. Thank you. So let's take a break. We'll get back. We'll talk more about yeah. Brewing. Uh, John Denman. DJ Muscratch, you are listening to Drink of Ages radio show. Be right back. Are you thinking of buying, selling, or renting a house? Let my good friend Amber Sear with Stanfield Properties help with all your real estate needs. She is your real estate connection. Amber is a second-generation real estate agent and holds herself to the highest ethical standards. She is a member of the National Association of Realtors, Texas Association of Realtors, and Houston Association of Realtors. Work with a knowledgeable native Houstonian who I know well and I trust. Whether buying, selling, or renting, contact Amber Sear from Sandfield Properties. Her email address is ambersear.realtor at gmail.com. That's ambercyr.realtor at gmail.com. Or call her at 832-715-5455. Again, that's 832-715-5455. Friends out in Katy, Texas, over at No Label Brewing, have a new beer out for you to try. It is Passion for Humanity. This is a Berliner Weiss with passion fruit, 3.6% ABV. So this is one that you can sit back and drink on all day long. Known as real champagne of beers, this Weed Ale features a deliciously tart and fruity flavor with an effervescent and crisp palate and a cracker sweet finish. The addition of the passion fruit mimics the old tradition of adding fruit syrup to a serve pint. Give it a pleasantly juicy aroma and taste of a perfect complement the base style. Dangerously drinkable. Go get you a six-pack or find it on tap. Passion for humanity from No Label Brew. All right, 
We are back. This is Drink of Ages Radio Show here at Drink of Ages Pub, 1005 Wall Drive. Uh, if you're in the area, man, roll by. Stop by, have a pint with us. Uh, 32 taps of some really excellent beers, including three Astral Brewing Company, the brewery that just opened up in March on the north side of town, Shepherd and 43rd Street area. Something like Yeah, yeah. Right in that. Um, Alex McDonald is here joining yeah. us. And... Alex, recently, you know, he came down here to oversee this whole project. So let's talk yeah. about you for a little bit because sure. uh, you have a pretty interesting background. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that doesn't really... I'm sure there's a lot of beers involved in your background, but it's not exactly... Like, I didn't, I didn't grow up being a brewer. No, yeah, I didn't. So Princeton University. Yeah, so I, majored, I went to Princeton University, uh, majored in physics there. Uh, and then after that, though, I, I, my senior year, I took a class on biophysics from uh, Austin. Uh, oh, no, what's his first name? I forget. <laughs> Professor Austin. And, um, and I really got into that biophysics things. I really like the interaction, the interplay between physics and biology. And I was applying for grad school, and I found a department. Uh, Santa Cruz was Professor uh, Glenn Milhauser, who was doing uh, pre and research, but using like biophysical kind of methods and stuff like that to study a protein, which I thought was just like vastly interesting, like super, super interesting. So I went to uh, uh, Santa Cruz, California to do my PhD uh, in the prion protein. And, and through that process, um, learned a lot about mass spectrometry. And then I went to uh, um, Boston, Boston University Medical Center, to do my postdoc. Uh, and with David Harrison, I studied the prion protein more, and I got really involved in mass spectrometry, very, very interesting stuff. And um, so that's my scientific background. But that, that simultaneously with all that was uh, learning about beer. So that's sort of like the hobby behind uh, the science was uh, doing a lot of uh, beer drinking, but also exploring how to brew a beer. So I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I find it, yeah, I talk to a lot of brewers. Sure. But I don't talk to a lot of brewers with a PhD. Sure. And so, what were your plans? Like, what, what did, before beer really became involved, like, you know what, I'm going to move to Houston and open up a brewery. Uh, what, what exactly, I mean, where, so, what, what were you like in high school? Like, what were your, I mean, your, I just your game knew I wanted to pursue science at a general level in high school. And then I went to this college and I liked physics, so I did that, but then found that I preferred biochemistry. I really, really like biochemistry. So, so... Biophysics, biochemistry, sort of that, that interplay between the two. And that's what I went to my PhD in. So I really, really enjoyed biochemistry. Um, you know, at a certain point, I probably wanted to go into academia. But academia, it's, uh, if you run the numbers, it's only the top about 5%. So, you know, all the people going to grad school, only like 5% will end up being professors somewhere. So the other 95% of people have, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the other 95% of people have to find a job elsewhere. And so at it a certain a point, number, I was proud myself sure. in the 95% and not the 5%. The, the 5%, it's like essentially you have to go to top tier, get your PhD at a top tier university, do your postdoc at a top tier university, publish in top tier, you know, there's a, there's a uh, you know, a, a, a path. And when you find yourself not, you know, you're not publishing in nature and science, uh, you're, you know, you're, they're still excellent scientists, but they're not, you know, only so many people can publish in the top tier journals. And well, th there's so few professorships available because that's the nature of things that uh, the rest of us have to find jobs elsewhere. So a lot of people go into the, the bio, uh, uh, pharmaceutical industry, uh, bio, uh, biotech industry, that kind of stuff. Um, it actually turns out that in bio uh, chemistry, there's a more limited jobs. There's much more opportunities in 
organic chemistry and types of things like that in uh, pharmaceutical companies. Although uh, what I was doing, that mass spectrometry, that specifically actually is a very useful skill in, in, uh, uh, in, the, in the pharmaceutical industry. So I was in Boston and I was sort of positioning myself to go into the pharmaceutical industry uh, using mass spectrometry, sort of proteomics uh, screening as or my tool set, sort of lining that up. But at that time, uh, Jose, my business partner, who's a friend of mine living in Houston, was like, hey, hey, how about opening a brewery? What do you think about that? And I was like, hmm. I could, I could do it for a change of pace. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah, yeah. I was like, sort of getting my resume together, looking for a job at a pharmaceutical. But like, you know, I, I always wanted to do academia, but that, that uh, was, you know, clear. I wasn't in the the top five percent of people that sort of was necessary. You kind of have to be that super high echelon. And so I was like, well, pharmaceutical would be interesting, but that would have been a job where I would have done. A routine, let's say, diagnostic, right? I would have been given, you work at a big company, you would have been given a sample, you would run it through the mass spectrometer, do some cool stuff, and then tell them, like, hey, here's what's in your sample, here's how your drug affected these cells, this drug raised these protein pathways and decreased these, blah, 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 all this stuff. And pharmaceuticals, that's really important. That's where they're trying to, you know, uh, work out a new, uh, a new I mean, drug. It is, it is real lab work. Right. And it, it pays really well, to be fair. But it's not as intellectually engaging. Uh, it's not about problem solving. It's more about routine diagnosis, some sort of routine di analysis. It's not like you're not running your own project. You're, you're, you're working for the pharmaceutical company doing what they want. Uh, but you know, there's, those are, those are very legitimate jobs and they, they do help produce cures for diseases. So there's some, there's some, but it's very reason. mundane. It's like, it's like a very, it's a strange combination of highly co complex mundane, right? It's like the highest tier of mundane where it's incredibly complex. And yet it's the same thing. It's routine, right? It's this incredibly complex routine level job, like and and but so uh, I, but that's what I was like gearing towards. Like you know, I can do that. Uh, you know, it'll let me live a good life, and then I can like I was off home brewing. I'm like, oh, I can do this and have a cool homebrew system, hang out with my friends, have a good life, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And then I got the opportunity to uh, uh, open a brewery, and I was like, well, that sounds like a plan. Let's do it. It's like tons of challenges and unknowns and terrible things that are going to come about but that, that that's like the great unknown is so there's a lot of challenges with uh opening a brewery and that was just very very enticing to me so so yeah i i sort of jumped on the opportunity uh jose is sort of uh my business partner uh worked on getting a lot of the finances together and i worked on the more engineering production practical side of things building the brewery like working with all the subcontractors to to build the brewery that i uh exactly envisioned and then from there, uh, transitioning from uh, kind of general contractor into a um, uh, head brewer, which has its own set of challenges. So I remember the whole thing is like, I spent nine months working on building the brewery, sort of had my architect or my general contractor hat on. And it was a very new experience for me, never done anything remotely related to construction before. And it was like every day, like, they, my workers would joke me where we'd have a problem come up and I would literally go online and Google Google it, like go to look up the construction like forums that people have dealt with this, figure out what people have done before and tell them. And they would, they would kind of make fun of me for it, but it would work. So they would be like, well, okay, well, like they, they let me do, they, they would do it because I would tell them how to, but I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but turns out other people do. So that was the kind of set of challenges, problem solving every day. There would be a new problem. But, but you seem like the guy that, that looked forward to these challenges. Yeah. They, the, 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 you're like, oh. I've got 10 things on my plate tomorrow, right. and we're going to knock these it, out. It, it was a series of like 
catastrophic fit, like things that were going to catastrophically end the project that you would get over every day. And every day you had that kind of sense of accomplishment of like, well, I thought this whole thing was going to fail and we were never going to get any part, but I figured out a solution. And it was very rewarding. So it was like, it was like a daily, like you went through a roller coaster every day of like a new challenge was presented. We were able to find a solution and solve it. And then the next day would start over from scratch. And a day where there were no major challenges was like, like a vacation right? and stuff in, in, in the whole. You felt like you were missing something. Yeah, like, like, like what, what, what did I not do? I must be like, yeah, exactly. There's obviously something going crazy wrong here. And I just didn't see it. And that's why like, things are things even worse because I didn't see the major problem. Um, so that was sort of like general contracting. It's a very interesting experience. Uh, again, I, I liked the experience. I don't think I would change careers and become a general contractor full time, but I really enjoyed the experience and being able to do that. And I now feel much more comfortable doing like a little minor home improvement project around home where I'm like, this is nothing. Like, yeah. We can take that wall out if we need to. Who cares about like, you know, drilling well, a little hole after, there. After you do that, then you walk in your house, you, yeah. you know what we need to do? Yeah. Take down that wall, yeah. put a new kitchen here, yeah. add another room. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely that my mindset towards it's inspiring. Home, yeah, home improvement, like I'm much, much more willing to take on like even major projects I can don't consider that major anymore considering what we had to do oh whenever so, i built this does uh dream of ages out yeah you did this. that kind of work yourself yeah. yeah yeah whenever i did this i went home and i was like yeah let's get busy yeah and just pretty yeah. much ravaged my whole house for yeah. a while yeah yeah, yeah. no my, my, my buddy brandon who's at the good beer company over in san diego same thing happened or, or sorry santa Ana, and he became super handyman at home and like he redid his own kitchen his uh, he redid his whole kitchen himself and so forth, he, he just like suddenly after doing a brewery himself, he was like, I can I can remodel my house. And it was like, yeah, it gives you confidence. Yeah. It turns out, you know, you know, the, you know how things work. The, the wall isn't some mysterious thing that if you pull it out, it's going to make your building collapse. It's like a, it's a physical thing. You can re, you can put the sheetrock back. You can mud it up. You can paint it. You can re you can fix things. It turns out the home isn't isn't a mystery. Well, but the, the, the slight differences home in a brewery is that once you got finished building this place then all of a sudden you have to produce something out yeah, of it right and so you had to go from okay now we got all the equipment we got right. the electrical we right. got it we had this thing set right. up so we had a brewery and I, there was like almost it was almost a night and day thing where there's one day where i had to put down my general contracting hat and the next day to put on my head brewer hat and no like break, no vacation. Just like okay, you're not, you're no longer doing construction, you're doing brewing today. And that, it was just had, like honestly, that had to be kind of a weird feeling. Yeah, because I mean, did you sit back and, and look over all the paperwork and everything, make no. sure it was signed and everything was no, done? No, it was like it was it was very just like one day I, I woke up and I was the head brewer, and I had no it wasn't construction anymore, and it was it was suddenly a new set of challenges. Like I had a completely new set of things to worry about could completely forget about the previous set of things and now we're like we had passed our final inspection and you were like good we passed the final inspection and as soon as that happened it wasn't like we could have a party and celebrate it was like i gotta worry about everything now it's else. time to order ingredients and order ingredients and worry about <laughs> recipes and worry about like all these new things which i hadn't been worrying about so it was there was no there was no vacation i think i took one I went to Austin for a day at one point. <laughs> That's that, a good vacation. Yeah, I went to Austin. That was a good day. But that Take was about it. Off. I took a day off and I went to Austin. So like, that was my like pre-brew opening. I had one vacation. But that was actually after we ordered, uh, brewed our first couple of beers. We were kind of waiting for them to ferment. But yeah, it was like it was a sudden, like, okay, now, new set of challenges. And it was like, there was no no respite from, 
uh, from all of that. But it was it was great. It was wonderful, and we brewed our first four beers. We had Garrett Crowell from uh, Jester King, a former head brewer of Jester King, come down and give us a lot of uh, information and guidelines and sort of consulting with us about as we ha we had recipes, but he helped us turn those recipes into finished beers. And I think that really was instrumental in our initial four beers uh, being good and, and not being things that you want to dump down the drain, which I think, you know, understandably, a lot of breweries open up and their first beers, they're learning. They don't know their system. That's very, very common. Uh, and we decided to work with an established brewer to help us kind of guide us down a lot of those, uh, avoid some of the pitfalls. The, that, the problems. Yeah, yeah, right. And skip over that first six months of like, let me learn how to work yeah. this and yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of uh, somebody teaching you how to Right. Learn. And basically, I think it was acknowledging that we didn't know a lot of stuff and that we needed to learn. And so we worked with Garrett. He taught us a lot. Uh, it was sort of, yeah, definitely trial by fire, but, but we learned a ton from him. And that made our first beers, I think, uh, very, uh, very, very good. I think, I mean, obviously there, there weren't like... There's room for improvement always over your initial beers, but those initial beers were uh, relatively mature for by new brewery standards. So I'm very, very happy with them. And in fact, one of the, brewery, the beer, initial beers we had was our Kolsch. So in fact, the very first beer we brewed, and we were essentially brewing that same recipe now, our third iteration of it. Uh, just a tweak to that recipe, but we were just so happy with how that initial Kolsch turned out that we're just like, not any real reason to change it immensely. Just just tiny little things here and there. Well, the, the went there for the soft opening, tried all the beers, and I, I was impressed. Right. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. They were all really good beers. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and and they were yeah, they're not great beers like world changing beers, no, no, you know, no, but for sure, it was, uh, for sure. not expecting that, but no, uh, for opening a brewery, you just want to have beers that aren't like drain pours. Like that's what you're going Exactly. So. You, when I I've gone to breweries where yeah. it's like, "Oh, man, this is going to be a tough time." Yeah, yeah. And I'll come back here in 6 months and see what's going see, on. See what's going on. Yeah. Well, yeah. went to Astral had all the beers is like man this this is gonna be all right yeah this is gonna like be if really yeah good. I think I was really happy like where we started I was like if this is where we're starting and we're gonna get better then that's a really good that's sign. a good starting point yeah and I, I judge ourselves relative to other breweries opening up I think you know there's more established mature breweries in Houston and, and they've got better things going on compared to our initial beers but I think that we have a very strong compared to where we start we're, we're, we're growing very fast and in fact our beers today are much stronger than our beers were when we opened uh, well other than the culture which I think was just worked out really really well yeah. but like our IPAs are, are much better and not that they were bad to begin with but I think they're just that much better today and they will get better and I think you know we we do care we, we have we're very like, we, we care so much about our beer and we, we want it to be the best it can be. We don't just want to just like make something that's okay and people like and yeah, just kind of like yeah, well, settle on it. We want it to be the best beer it can be. And that's something we'll talk about the next segment a little bit. Um, actually, let's take a break as Muskratch and I, we're, we are out of beer and just can't do a show. Yeah, he, he's over here. Yeah, um, the just, show cannot go on. Yeah, he's shaking a little until bit. Until there's more beer. <laughs> so, yeah. Alex McDonald is our guest from Astral Brewing Company. Uh, this is Drink of Ages Radio Show here on ESPN 97.5. We will be right back. All right, if you guys need anything like some shirts, some merch, some stickers, 
uh, from koozies to any of that stuff, whether you're a brewery, a distillery, or yeah, you just have a business you want to get started and get your brand out there, man, you need to talk to my buddy Rodney Campbell over at Cask Branding. He can take care of you with your glassware. Your, I mean, like I said, he makes all of our shirts here at Drink of Ages. He does a lot of stuff for a lot of people around Houston. So reach out for caskbranding.com, Rodney Campbell, and tell him that you heard on Drink of Ages, and, man, he'll take care of you. And it is that time of year, and if you're looking for somebody to take care of your taxes, uh, especially your business taxes, and you need to talk to my friend Sam Sabawi. He not only takes care of payroll, your bookkeeping, but he will file all your business taxes. And if you ever get in trouble, that guy's going to be there in court with you to take care of any issues you have. Sam Sabawi, man, you need to check him out at samsabawi.com. He has locations in Houston, Pearland, and California. You just happen to be out there. But look up samsabowie.com and have him take care of your tax situation. Bindle Tap is one of Houston's fastest-growing craft breweries. From the highly sought-after hazy IPAs to its year-round core beers, Boomtown Blonde, Honey Hole, Hop Gusher, 5% Tint, and Houston Haze. Available at retailers all around Houston and surrounding areas. Stop by one of the nicest air-conditioned tap rooms in Houston, Thursday through Sunday, conveniently located 8 miles north of downtown off 59 in Little York. Come hungry and try some of our award-winning barbecue and wood-fire pizza from Texas. Go visit our website at spindletop.com and give us a like on Facebook. Alright, we are back. You know, hanging out here at Drink of Ages Pub, 1005 Wall Drive or Montrose. Uh, man, have you ever been here, man? You, you stop by, come have a couple pints with us. Our guest this week, Alex McDonald from Astral Brewing Company, owner, brewer, contractor, bathroom cleaner. Yep, uh, I do it all. Uh, there, there's a lot. I wear all the hats. Yeah, well, do you do you get memos uh, like, hey, a light bulb's out? Yeah, I mean, I well, I the one who notices that and then writes a note to myself. There's like, there's a light bulb on the patio right now that needs to be replaced. So yeah, you're, you're correct. So that's, that's on me. That was just a reminder to yeah, you about yeah. that light bulb. No, the, you need the, to like literally the buck stops. It's a great thing about being business owner that there's no one to complain to you. You just do it. You're right. It's like, well, who's, who's going to fix that? No one. You are deal with it. You're going to pay someone. I don't have money. So I'm going to, I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. Everything, everything is in house as much as possible and so forth. Oh, you started, you start up, in New Jersey, New Jersey, yeah, yeah, and which you know, had some, I've, I've had some good times up in the Northeast. Yeah. Then you ended up in Santa Cruz for a little while, yeah, which is a whole different. I mean, yeah, go we're talking slugs. about slowing down. Yeah, and one of the breaks we were talking about how uh, people were telling you, "Hey, quit talking so fast." Yeah, because yeah. I mean that is that is an absolute slowdown. And then yes. then yes. from there you go back and then you end up Boston, down speed up here. a little again, speed up a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I've, I've gone. Like, Real fast, real slow, speed up, and then Texas is back to slow down. Maybe not quite as much as Santa Cruz. Not quite as much Santa, Santa Cruz, Cruz is like, hey, bro, like, yeah, just relax, man. Like, just talking really fast there, seeing a lot of things, man. And I was like, got, like I got ta- stuff to talk about, you know? Like, no, 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 I don't even remember what we were talking about to begin with. Yeah, you slowed me down. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, Santa Cruz is a, a trip, but you know. Uh, Boston was sort of more back to that kind of quick-paced New England, uh, Northeast kind of style. Texas, is, yeah, definitely a little more, a little slower, but not that slow. It, it's definitely sped up. Texas, Houston, yeah, Houston well, is definitely in, sped up over the last 10 years. City of industry, for sure, in Texas, and that brings with it a certain sense of uh, timeliness and, yeah. 
Timeliness and job opportunities. Yes. So yeah. a lot of Growth. different people yeah, yeah. Have come down. A lot and of uh, uh, immigrants, so to speak. Uh, people move to Houston for opportunities, which is fantastic. People such as myself. Uh, no, this is very welcoming, cosmopolitan city. Uh, and sort of that you know, we normally think of New York as very cosmopolitan, but in some truest sense, Houston is the true cosmopolitan city of, of the United States and that it's really ethnically diverse, culturally diverse. Uh, socioeconomically diverse, just just very very diverse, very interesting city, and a great place for like things like breweries because you have so many different uh, types and styles of people and beer to go with that. So it's a very fitting uh, type of uh, establishment for for this type of city. Yeah, and as um, just a, I, I grew up here, yeah. I've lived in Houston my whole life. Okay, seeing where we are right now. It's exciting, yeah. And just just seeing that because we have so many, so many more great restaurants than there's ever been. Right. No. So Houston's, much more great beer and yeah. great places to go to than there's ever been. Yeah. No. Houston's. Uh, when I was was moving here, that was one of the things that I was told about is that the food is gonna be amazing, and just because of how many different cultures kind of mix and all those great ideas come together to make like the best recipes and and so forth. And I, and I think it's sort of held up to that. I, I agree that the food here is just just outstanding. And I, I think that, uh, you know, maybe the laws in Texas have held back breweries for a while, but with those laws relaxing, now there's sort of this golden age of breweries in, in, in Texas and that we're hopefully a part of that kind of movement towards a much, much more mature beer scene uh, to match the food scene that's already been established. I can't wait. I mean, it's only going to get better and better. Yeah. As, 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 you have, you have so many different flavors of breweries coming out. I mean, you have the breweries like B-52 and Genius that are coming up with different things. You have Spindle Tap that are making you know, the ha- different hazy IPAs. And you have uh, brewery like Galveston Island. We have yeah. some Galveston Island on tap. That, yeah, we just uh, met- has every beer you drink, you're like, I taste the island. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just how does that happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The salt air from the island. No, we, I just met a, a woman uh, who volunteers there earlier today from Galveston Island, which is incredibly sweet and over at the brewery earlier today talking talking shop so to speak and it was fantastic no it sounds like they're doing really great things there I, i've actually been there one time it was a cool spot um they had a live band playing and everything like that i recommend if you're in galveston uh to go check out galveston Island. oh for sure yeah it's a good place to watch sunset yeah, yeah well, back. i think from the brewery you can't quite see the the no, they have ocean. bleachers well oh, no, yeah. yeah well the, the yeah we're, we're texas coast you have yeah. East and west, but it's like, wait a minute, isn't that north and south? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how you figure these beaches? Yeah. So when you're sitting there, I got the sunset you. actually behind you. Oh yeah, right. You're absolutely right. I'm used to California, where you like the California. Yeah, you're well, looking at the ocean. Yeah, you yeah. See the I, I, I one time my life lived on an apartment overlooking the ocean in the Pacific Coast, and that was I, I'd say the pinnacle of my life. And everything was downhill from there. I don't know why I moved away from that place. It's all, <laughs> but but. Yeah, so that was great. Oh, see, the, see this. You get kind of used to like, oh, it's the sunset, whatever. And only the most spectacular sunsets were good. Got super, super. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, I need any little sunset. It's good, you know. Yeah, it, sunsets. Sunsets have always been like a really big part of my travels. Right. right? So yeah, yeah. To to enjoy them. Then there's there's few that actually really still stand out. I watch a lot of sunsets. Oh yeah. But, you know, like one of course, a day. All the way. Almost one a day. Sometimes I take naps oh, during that okay, time, okay, okay, gotcha. and actually a lot of time. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I stay up till four o'clock. Oh, uh, gotcha. Morning okay, okay. Because I take a yeah, you take a, a nap power nap, seven or eight a sunset nap. Yeah, but you know when you're on the uh, the Pacific side on the West Coast, yeah, you know, like California. We just yeah. got back from our trip, uh, San Diego to LA. Yeah. Oh yeah, very nice. 
There was uh, right now. It's the oh, what do they call it? The July, not fog. Uh, there, there's there's a term, but it basically there's like a haze that ends up right over the ocean. It's smog. It's blue skies everywhere. Then as soon as you get to the beach, it's cloudy. So in Northern California, this is much more common. You get the fog that rolls in, and people actually kind of joke about how, like uh, Mark Twain, the apocryphal quote is like the coldest uh, winter ever spent was a summer in San Francisco because the fog will roll in. The conditions are just perfect for this fog to come in. And as soon as that fog hits, it cools way, way down. So Santa Cruz, we get that all the time. San Francisco, you get it a lot. Southern California, you don't get it quite so much, but I think there are certain times of the year when you do get it. Well, Astral Brewing Company, uh, right there in North Shepherd and 43rd Street, right up there. Air-conditioned tap room, really nice. A lot yeah. of games to play, yeah. really good beers to drink. Yeah, please come by. We'd love to have you guys sometime. Tap rooms open what time? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So like 4 to, four to 10 on the weekdays and like noon to 10 on the weekends. So yeah, excellent. Yeah. Well, man, Alex, appreciate you coming by, hanging out at Drink of Ages Pub. Yeah, uh, definitely appreciate, appreciate you us. bringing those three kegs by. Yeah, well, ho- hopefully, hopefully they're popular here. Yeah. All right. Well, I uh, want to thank everybody for listening to this week's show, Drink of Ages, and want to thank everybody. Uh, also, not. Oh, well, I'm thanking everybody. Let's thank No Label Brewing Company for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, you, no can, you can listen to the podcast by going to iTunes, SoundCloud, and various places all over Wherever the internet. Wherever podcasts are available. Wherever podcasts are available, you can find them. Yeah. And if you go to the right place, you'll find pictures. Yeah. So, ooh, ooh. Yeah, pictures. You might find some pictures. Yeah. So, now, thank everybody for listening, man. Uh, let's go Astros. Keep kicking kick some ass, and we'll talk to everybody next week.